Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. So, um... Tonight, what I want to do is, if you've been here at all throughout 2016, you've heard me share kind of a series of messages that um, have just really come out of an intense season of study for me personally, examining what life might be like if we were to start following Jesus today as his disciples in the flesh. If Jesus was alive in the flesh, walking you know, throughout Nashville, walking throughout wherever you're from uh, tonight, and you just started following him, what would your life look like on a daily basis as you forsook all to follow the Messiah, Jesus, all right? So I, um, I've actually been doing quite a bit of study myself, uh, just diving into the Gospels, looking and examining different stories of how Jesus led, how Jesus taught, how Jesus preached, the content of his sermons. And I've really been challenged by that because I think here in the Western world uh, particularly, we read the Bible looking for nuggets of wisdom or revelation. Would you guys agree with that? We do our morning devotional with our coffee, and the whole time we're just looking for revelation. And I, I felt challenged in this last season to stop looking for the nuggets of revelation and just enjoy the journey, just enjoy the story. Just just read the story. Just, you know, stop looking for the, you know, for the heavy revy and just enjoy the journey. Looking for something to tweet, looking for something to post up on my Facebook page. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like sometimes I pray with that mindset. I'm praying like, God, just, you know, oh, wow, that'll tweet right there. You know, uh, my parents say, that'll preach. And for us, it's like, that'll tweet right there. That's so good. I'm going to have to post. And then I get thrown off of, you know, just enjoying the conversation. You know, prayer is more about a conversation than it is about the revelation. Because it's relational, right? Amen? So, that's what I've been doing. Uh, this all started for me at the very end of 2015. I was in my office. I was pacing back and forth in my office with a dry erase marker in my hand. And me, when I pray, I really love to walk. That's one of the th- I love prayer walks. I like to be active. Me, I'm not a big soaker because, um, you know, big soaking turns into big napping for me. So, you know, the longer I lay down, the closer I am to a big nap, right? And I typically don't get any prophetic dreams during that time. I wake up an hour and a half later and I'm like, wow, where did my day go? So that, that's me uh, most of the time with that. Yeah, my wife knows because I do that from time to time. Uh, but I was walking around in my office and um, I was thinking slash praying talking to God about my goals. Now, I don't know about you guys, but every year I I usually set goals for the new year. Anybody else in here do that? That's pretty fun, setting goals. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm standing in front of my whiteboard and I'm writing down, you know, here's my goals. And at, at first, it started with 2016, and then it started to become, well, you know, I should probably give some consideration to my five-year goals. So I start writing down my five-year goals. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a, those are big dreams in my life. Those are big goals. And then I start thinking to myself, well, what do I really want to do before I'm 70? Because I'm like, that's 50 years from now. Is it 40 years from now, actually? 40. <laughs> 80, I'm not 20, I feel 20, I guess. 
But I'm like, that's 40 years from now. I'm like, what can I do in 40 years? You know, so I'm, start, I'm like writing goals. Like, here's all the stuff I want to do before I'm 70. Like, here's the amount of money I want to make. I want to have this money saved. You know, I'm quoting scripture. A wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I need this many million in the bank in cash. Praise God. You know, I'm... <laughs> Bless the Lord, cha-ching, you know? And I'm like, I want our church to be this big. Like, I want to write this many books. I want to have this much influence. I start thinking through, you know, our tagline, love God, love people, and change the world. And I'm like, what does it really mean to change the world? You know, so I Wikipedia, I try to figure out how many people are alive in the earth today, how many people are going to be alive in 40 years, how many millions of people is our ministry going to have to affect before we actually change the world. I mean, I'm writing all this stuff down, you guys. I'm like, we need to affect, you know, I don't remember the number, so many million people, so many billion people. And, um, you know, so I think I'm doing a good job. Anybody ever done that in prayer before? You're like, I'm doing a good job for the Lord. And, uh, you know, so I'm writing down all my goals and everything. And then I felt like the Lord just asked me. He was like, why do you want to do all this stuff? And I was like, oh, I, man, I, I guess I didn't, I didn't give that much thought. Why do I want to do all this stuff? And I'm like, well, God, I want to be great. You know, I want to be awesome. I want to leave a legacy. I want to, you know, do something substantial or do something significant. I want to be remembered throughout history. I want to be important. I want to live a big life. I want to, I want to live a, a great life. Maybe some of you guys have said stuff like that, you know, thinking about it, internalizing that kind of stuff. And the more and more I thought in that direction, I felt like the Lord said, yeah, but who are you? You've, you, you've talked about, you've written down what you want to do, and... Now you're talking about why you want to do it. But what I'm really interested in, Lyle, is who you are today, right now, who I've created you to be, and also who you are becoming. Before I want to know about what you're going to have done in 40 years from now, I want to know about who you are becoming. Who are you going to be in 40 years from now? I'm more interested in that than I am the size of the church or the influence of the ministry or how much money you have saved up for your grandkids or whatever. Who you are. Who are you becoming? That's what I'm most interested in. And I started to think about that, and um, I just, I erased all my goals. I got, you know, I got a paper towel. I erased them all. And I wrote at the top of the whiteboard, I said, who am I? And I said, you know, I just... Before I'm a pastor, before I'm a father, before I'm a husband, before I'm a leader, before I'm a son, before I'm a brother, you know, all these things, they come to mind. I, I, was, I was writing them down at first, and I said, but really, like, God, who do you say that I am? Like, who am I? What is my base identity in Christ? How many of you guys know what we do and why we do it all stems from who we believe that we are? You guys know that, right? Who you believe that you are right now will determine how you spend your time and ultimately how you spend your life. And how many of you guys know how we spend our lives will have implications throughout all of eternity and forever and ever and ever with the Lord in heaven, right? So who are you? That's what I started thinking about as I was preparing to journey into 16. God, who am I? Who do you say that I am? Who do I want to be? And I started, you know, I started to write, and here's what I wrote down. It's very simple. It's very short. I said, I am 
an intimate lover of God and people. That's who God's created me to be. I am an intimate lover of God and people. That's what I wrote down. And then I started thinking about all those goals I wrote down. And I was like, how many of those goals, good goals, big goals, were connected to my base identity in Jesus? How many of all these things that I want to do with the rest of my time, the rest of my life, how much of that is connected to my real identity? Who God says that I am? Am I really gonna spend the rest of my life doing things that are loosely or have no connection to who God fashioned me to be? That's what, that's what I started thinking about. I was like, okay, I'm an intimate lover of God. Well, what kind of implications is that going to have on my next 40 years? Am I gonna look ahead? Am I gonna chart course? Am I gonna set goals on the basis of who God says that I am or who society and culture pressures me to be? And I started to recognize, man, I'm taking more of my cues from the news, you know, from Instagram, from TMZ. You know what I'm saying? Looking at celebrities. Wow, I should have that car. Man, it's not fair. You know, you, you guys know what I'm saying? Just the pressure, just, just the forced fed script that we're given every day, you know, through culture and media. I'm thinking, you know, that's who I need to be. That's what I need to have. And then on the other side over here, I'm looking at, no, no, but who has God created me to be? You guys with me on this? So that's what I'm thinking about as I'm going through 16. And um, I wrote this down. I've kept it with me. And that day, I started to make a fresh commitment in my life. And that fresh commitment was in friendship with Jesus. I said to myself, God, if you've fashioned me, if you've created me, if you've given me my purpose, if this is who you say that I am, I'm really going to need to be closer to you in order to live a lifestyle like that. Because that seems impossible in this world. It's tough. I'm just going to be real with you guys, be vulnerable with you guys. I have a hard time. You would think I'd have it easy, right? I get paid to be a pastor. You'd think it'd be, the, I'd, it'd be so easy for me just to be holy all the time, right? You guys just think that about me. He's <laughs> just so righteous. He's in the prayer closet probably 14 hours a day, you know? You know? Yeah. Doesn't, it's okay. He has a wife and a baby. He just, you know, he's studying all the time, all that sort of thing. You guys, honestly, even as a pastor, I am so tempted, so constantly tempted to live my life in accordance with the predominant script of our culture. Honestly, as a person in ministry, that stuff gets to us too. All the material that we're sent, just to be real with you guys, the stuff I get in the mail that comes to, you know, Legacy Nashville addressed to me has very little to do with this over here, my identity. So much of that has much to do with this over here. The pressure of the culture of the day. Get bigger, get better, dominate, win, be victorious. And if you don't have what you want out of life, then get aggressive enough to take it down. That's, I, I'm telling you guys the truth. That's the email blast that show up in my inbox addressed to Pastor Lyle Phillips. That's, that's like 99.9%. <laughs> stuff we talked about last week, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
I don't get any of that stuff. I've never received an email about the Beatitudes to date. If, in fact, I've received tons, most, probably all emails about the opposite. Just to be real. So a couple of weeks ago, you know, after I have this, I have this kind of encounter, right, <clears throat> in my office. A couple of weeks ago, I was I was hanging out with a friend of mine. He's a pastor. He's older than me, and and uh, he's been pastoring a bit longer than me. And so we were sitting down, we we're chatting and um, having breakfast. I, I typically will ask him questions and just kind of pick his brain, get some advice. And um, we we're we'd been chatting probably an hour, and and he kind of leans over the table a bit and and looks at me dead in the eye. Said he said, Lyle, what do you really want to be doing?" And I was like, I thought about it about that fast. I was like, I, I know the answer to this. And, and he said, what do, and he's, he's not talking about pastoring or leading or anything like that. He said, what do you really want to be doing? And I said, you know, I, I, I really want to have intimacy with God and, and share revelation with other people. Uh, that, that's what I really want to be doing with my life. Like, that, that's, that's my honest heart answer. Full trans, that's what, that's what I personally really want to do with my life. And he said, then you need to arrange your entire life around that. And, and I, I said, All right, you know, you're a pastor. How is that possible? You know, you know what, what that life is like and, and you know, for, for you and your situation, you know what your life is like, so that might be or see, seemingly impossible. And he said, you know, it doesn't really matter what it costs you. If you need to cancel a meeting, if you need to cancel all your meetings, if you need to just live life completely different, if you need to just change your whole schedule up, you need to change your whole life up. Like if you know that's why you've been created, if you know that's why you're alive, then why are you wasting the precious moments that Jesus has given you in this life, spending your time doing something else? And that, you guys, for me, was a huge revelation because I was like, you know what? That's real. That's true. That's what I want to do. So that for me was sort of a solidification of, you know, the shift in my journey, organizing my life around intimacy with God and sharing revelation with other people. This is some recent happenings in my world. And uh, for me personally, I think they're divine reminders of who I am today and ultimately who I'm called to become. I'm praying that this message for you guys would be a divine reminder for you. That you would literally hear the voice of Jesus say to you, here's why you are alive. Like, here's who you are. I'm not as interested in what you're doing or even why you're doing it. I'm interested, I am passionately interested in who you are becoming as my disciple as you follow me and become best friends with me. That's what I'm most interested in. I'm not as interested in what you can give me. I'm not as interested in the status that you achieve, what I'm interested in, who you're becoming on a heart level as you become greater friends with me day in and day out. That's what Jesus is most passionate about, you guys. Despite what we might hear, despite what it may seem, you know, through all these things that we're fed, like I mentioned, you know, Here's 12 key points to being the most successful person that you can be. That's great. Be super successful. But, but before that, God's actually interested in who you're becoming. Before those things.
So let's talk a little bit about what that's like in growing in that journey, who we're becoming, uh, you know, gearing our lives around what God has created us to do. You know, I feel like that when we first start following Jesus, I think this is the same for most Christians, I think that we're like passionately intrigued. You know, we're like super curious as to what life is going to be like after we start following Jesus. I love John's depiction of how Jesus called his first disciples. I want to read a scripture to you guys. I was meditating on this this week, and I think it's just, it's almost comical to me of how Jesus called his first disciples according to John. It's 35 through 39. It says, the next day John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched, Jesus walked by, and he... Jesus walked by, he, ex- he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, can you imagine this? Here's J- Jesus just taking a walk, right? He's just taking a walk. John the Baptist, his cousin, is baptizing. He's proclaimed him as the Messiah, the Son of God. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. And there's a couple people who hear it, and they're thinking, Wow. I am intrigued. I am curious. What's that guy all about? I have this prophet over here. You know, he's wearing a a camel-haired tuxedo, living (laughs) off of honey and locusts. He's a strange dude, but people know he's anointed, right? He's been baptizing all kinds of people. Like, he's got a revival happening. And he's talking about this dude is the Lamb of God. I got to see what's happening with him. I'm curious. Anybody else start following Jesus out of curiosity just a little bit? (laughs) I mean, for me, I was curious about what that life was like. I'd heard a lot of stories secondhand from other people. I'd listened to a lot of sermons. I'd heard Sunday school, but I wanted to have, you know, an experience for myself. Can I get a good amen, right, when you started following Jesus? That's what these guys did. They said, man, this is that dude? Okay, I've heard about this guy. He's a mystical prophet from, you know, from Bethlehem. I've heard about him. He's preaching something different. He's preaching something unique. He's talking about the kingdom of God. The realm of heaven is as near as my hand. He's healing the sick. He's cleansing lepers. Like he's talking to the poor in a different way. Like I'm interested. I'm curious. Okay, I'm going to go check him out. And then he turns around. He says, what are you looking for? What, what are you looking for? And, and they say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And then Jesus says something that's so polite, but man, it is so weighty. When you really think about it, he was just baiting the hook real good, right? That was, <laughs> you know, he just says, come and see. They really had no idea what they were signing up for. If you could look back to the day you were saved, would you admit really that you knew what you were signing up for? No way. In fact, if you knew all the pain that might be involved as a result of following closely to this dangerous prophet, you might have said, I'm good. I'm all right, actually. But Jesus beckons us, just like he beckoned his initial disciples, with something so simple, a, 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 very, a, you know, a very easy uh, command, come and see. And that's what Jesus is still saying to us today, and he's still saying to people all around the world, You're interested in this life that you've heard about that I have? Well, come and see. Yeah, I can't help but to think about that passage. You'll taste and see that the Lord is good. Come, try it. Follow me. See what I'm about. 
Now, first and foremost, I want to I kind of talk, just to give you an overview, I want to talk about sort of three levels or layers of friendship with Jesus as we follow him as his disciples. And the first layer is association. As we begin following Jesus, we become associated with him, just like the disciples did at the time. You know, I read through the scriptures this week, and I didn't realize this before, but there's tons of stories and sermons that Jesus gives, and, and there's a lot of those. And it's a long time before we see or read about any real insightful moments about the friendship that Jesus had with his disciples. You don't see that till later on in the journey. What you see initially is association. Now, we can guess that the disciples probably helped Jesus with some practical aspects of the ministry. They were probably catchers. I don't know. I'm just trying to give the modern-day equivalent, you know. Maybe they helped gather the food. A few of them were fishermen. You know, we know Judas Iscariot, he held the coin purse, you know. They were helping out with practical, <laughs> I don't know, coin purse. And my, my grand-grand used to have one of those. Did y'all's granddad used to have a coin purse? See, there's a few people up here that had a coin purse. It's very biblical of you. And so this is how they began. And I, I think if, if I could venture to say, I think this is how a lot of us began, with this sense of association. Very simple. But, you know, our friends and our family, they started to associate us with Jesus as we became Christians, or at least associate us with the church. You guys know what I'm talking about. They're like, oh, there's my cousin, there's my friend, there's that guy that I work with, he's found religion. Right? They start to associate you, if not with Jesus, at least the church. And guys, honestly, this degree of relationship, association, is easy. It is. It's, it's actually quite easy. We don't know, we, at, at this time, we don't know Jesus that well. We're getting to know him through the Bible. We hear sermons. We have Christian conversation. We become an associate of Jesus and his church. Even though we don't know him that well, we know that we like him. He's a likable guy. The relationship is new. It's all fresh. It's shiny. It's sparkly. It's amazing. Nothing's going wrong, and we're intrigued. We're associated with Jesus, and we're following him as his disciple and as an associate. So as we get to know Jesus... As we grow in relationship with Jesus, as we continue to follow Jesus closely, we come to another degree of relationship, which is loyalty. Now, the nature of loyalty um, is that it's difficult. So this is kind of the part where it gets, gets, a, little, um, gets a little more tough following Jesus, Right? I fully believe that the same state in which we were saved is the same state in which we're called to live, which is surrendered. You know, I think of it like a little switch on in your spirit. You know, when you met Jesus, you flipped that thing on and you surrendered everything. You know, I think you got saved by surrender more so than you did by choice. You let go. You were like, whoo, okay, God, you have everything. I waved the white flag. I surrender, God. You can have all of me. And then as we follow Jesus, you know, it gets a little bit tougher. We've been following him closely. We've been associated. And then comes this time where, you know, there's an invitation to loyalty, and that switch goes, nope, that's good. Off. You guys with me? 
I'm fine with the association. I'm just gonna hang tight in this level of relationship with Jesus. I'm just gonna be associated. People are gonna know I'm a Christian because you know they see that in my Twitter bio, John 3.16. But when it comes to like really following Jesus, like really passionately following after God, I'm good. I'm not that surrendered anymore, right? You guys know what I'm saying? This is another degree of relationship. Some people believe that loyalty, you know, starts with association. Maybe there's some friends in your life that you have an association with, but you wouldn't necessarily say that you're loyalty. You're, you're loyal to them yet because loyalty is truly birthed intention. That's where loyalty starts. Becoming lo- or being loyal to someone is so easy as long as they have a perfect track record in your book isn't it? If they've not started any drama for you, you can say, man, I'm so loyal to that person. And that's pretty easy to say. But the moment that they start anything, the moment that they hurt you, the moment that they offend you, the moment that they disagree with you, that is actually the place where your loyalty to them begins. Loyalty is established intention. You're not really loyal to someone until you've been given a reason not to be, but then choose to be loyal to them for the sake of relationship. That, that's loyalty. Relationships, I would say most relationships or all relationships, start with association. But discipleship starts with loyalty. Think, just like say la moment, just for a second and think about it. Relationships start with association, but discipleship starts with loyalty. If the person who is discipling you can't ask you to change, you're not being discipled by that person. That's a side note. But this degree of relationship can be hard. Embedded within most of Jesus' sermons was a clear invitation slash command to change. Think about it. He began his ministry with this word, repent, which basically means change. Right? Most, if not all, of Jesus' sermons demanded transformation. Like, he didn't shrink back from that. As nice as we know that he was, as loving as we know that he is, every message of his was embedded with a commandment to change. You can be associated with Jesus and follow him at a distance, but you can't follow Jesus closely without it costing you something. As we leave things behind and we're obedient to what he asks us, we grow in loyalty. You know, I don't know about this or not, but perhaps Jesus actually extended an invitation for more people to follow him closely than just the 12. Maybe that was the case. Maybe he said, hey, all of you guys are invited to follow me. Maybe he did. But maybe it was just the 12 that were willing to continue to change. Maybe. I mean, we see evidence of that before thousands of people. He said, if you want to have part of me, you're going to eat my flesh, you're going to drink my blood. What happened? Everybody else left. There was just the 12. Maybe that's how the 12 got chosen. <laughs> well, they're the only people who haven't left, and I've offended them enough, but they, they stay anyway. You know what their secret was to staying? They sold everything to follow. You know the people who could go back? The people who hadn't sold everything. The people who had kept a little something-something under their tent. 
We're just going to hide that away for a rainy day. Just in case this thing following Jesus doesn't quite work out the way I want it to, I can come back to that. You know, I got my little thing here, saved off to the side. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? But whenever he said something crazy, when Jesus says something wild, and you're like, dude, I don't know about that, but man, I don't have anything else. <laughs> you're literally the only thing I have left. So, up, I mean, you've been pretty good to me up this point. I'm not sure where we're headed. That was bananas what you just said. But I'm for it. At some point in your relationship with Jesus, you're going to come to that place. You're gonna, or you cannot be serious right now. You did not just ask me to do that. And then you turn around and you're like, ain't got nothing else. Here we go, Lord. That's the key to being radical. Just don't have nothing else. Hey, Jesus said, hey, if you don't love, you know, me more than your mom, more than your, more than your, more than your spouse, more than your kids, more, you know. He was creating a, a nice little uh, invitation there. Offensive, but nonetheless, it was real. He's saying, you want to find life? Lose it. Lose all that to find real life. You're talking about you want internal satisfaction, but you're trying to please me through external practices. I'm trying to get the real deal inside this stuff, which is why my invitations are so radical, because I'm interested in more about who you're becoming rather than all the stuff you want to do for me. So the invitation kept coming. And, you know, the thing is, is that as we follow Jesus closely, guys, how many of you know this? Like, we're going to experience uh, tension. We're going to suffer. We're going to experience pain. We're going to experience hardship. I know that's not super popular. And the reality is, it's not going to be popular amongst people who don't want to surrender. Right? But the good news is, is we don't just suffer because of what God says to us. We suffer along with him. It's not just him demanding change and it hurts us and so we do it because, you know, we, we love him. But he suffers actually along with us. And that actually creates a certain camaraderie or a certain loyalty in relationship and we grow in loyalty. Then there just comes a time where we resign for the two of us to become one in friendship. And where we see ourselves in Jesus and we see him in us. And we come to a place to where God is no longer a part of our lives, but we are a part of his. You guys know what I'm saying there? That is the challenge. That is God's invitation. He doesn't want just to be a part of our lives. He's actually invited us in to be a part of his. It's not we we just make time for God. It's like we make time for the, the other stuff. So that gives way to the third uh, place a layer of relationship, which is affection. <clears throat> Association is easy. Affection is difficult. Or excuse me, loyalty is difficult. And affection is real. Okay, here's my opinion. This is a hashtag Lyle's opinion. I feel that a lot of marriages begin out of loyalty. 
Two people, they choose one another no matter what. But loyalty is not what makes a good marriage. Affection is. I choose you. Come hell or high water, I choose you. That's awesome. That's a degree of relationship. But that's not what makes a great marriage. What makes a great marriage is affection. You see what I'm saying? To where you truly become transparent enough to expose the depths of who you are and you bring your true self into the relationship. That, that's what Jesus is looking for as we follow him. I mean, he loves the association. I, I think he's happy about the loyalty, but what he's really looking for is affection. Amen. Association, it can be sh- shallow. Loyalty can be just as surfacy, but never affection. Affection actually requires depth. Affection requires that we go beyond our polished self that we present to the world, oftentimes via social media. You guys know what I'm saying? If I'm going to be affectionate towards someone, it's, it's required that I bring my true self to them. It's required that I give them love from the very core of who I am. At times, affection can be raw, it can be emotional. But that's what makes it real. It costs you more than your time or anything else exterior. It demands the genuine content of your heart. And this, guys, is the core of discipleship. The goal of discipleship is friendship. I mean, just let that settle in. The goal of discipleship in human relationships, but particularly, especially in our relationship with Jesus, is not that we would be submissive, but that we would be friends. I mean, side note, I think that's why a lot of our generation are running from the church. It's because the goal, we got the goal out of whack. If I can just get you to do what you should do, pastoring would be so much easier I feel like that's sort of the mantra of a lot of pastors. I'm not trying to throw stones. I'm just being funny. But sometimes I say that. I'm like, God, if I could just get you to do what I think you should do, it'd be so much easier to pastor. But that's not God's goal. God's goal is friendship, that we would be in community, that we would be in friendship, that we would be in family, that we'd be in family with one another, friendship with one another. Our, our, our goal in discipleship of following Jesus is to become friends with Jesus. Jesus wants a spiritual relationship with you, not just a social one. You know, affection in friendship is only possible when we stop presenting the overly polished version of ourselves to God. You know, a lot of times we, you know, we sin wholesale and we confess retail. You guys get what I'm saying there? We're just going to share this little bit, you know. It's like playing hide-and-go-seek with a toddler. You ever play hide-and-go-seek with a two-year-old? No? Okay, just me? All right, so anyways, I'll give you the illustration. So, you know, the little kid, he runs in behind the drapes. And, I mean, he's like off the wall a foot. And he's like, come and find me. That's how we are when we try to hide our sin from God. <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't take that long. <laughs> but we, but, we're, but we're, we think we're hiding. 
if, if the goal of discipleship is friendship, and if we'll come to that place, that understanding that that's what God really wants, we won't hide our sin from him anymore because we'll recognize that the goal is not our submission, but the goal is actually our friendship. So we, so we stop you know, presenting this overly polished version of who everybody else thinks that we are, and we come to him with real depth, presenting our true self and being honest about who we are and what's going on in our heart. That, that's where we grow in friendship. That's the goal of God. That's where we, we grow in affection. That's where we grow not just in simple association, but in actual friendship with God. And there's a lot of religious uh, people out there that you know, spend their lives defending God for loyalty's sake. You can turn on the TV and you can see them picketing. But unfortunately, that's often fueled by anger and not affection, which is God's goal. This is not friendship with God. It may be loyalty, but it's not friendship. There may, you know, some religious people are looking for a deep internal satisfaction from life while only offering God external services. That is association. It's not friendship. Friendship, guys, has always been the invitation. God created our first parents to be his friends, to walk in intimacy with him in the garden, and he still longs for this while all at the same time shepherding us and discipling us as our Lord. I'm going to prepare to close now. If somebody wants to jump on the keys, that would be fine. But anybody? Yeah, anybody. It doesn't matter. It's just if you're, if you're feeling like a, a son or a daughter, just hop up. I don't care. Take your place, you know, you know. If you're not good, we'll pretend like you are for at least 30 seconds. You know, I think that, and, and here's something, I, I'm, not, I'm not really ready to present it yet. I don't know how to preach it yet. I, I've, I've been studying it this week, and, and I, I was looking at just some of the, uh, you know, older theologians and what they've had to say about friendship. And, um, you know, I've been trying to meditate on that a little bit as well this week. And I think one of the reasons why we find it difficult to believe that we can actually have a friendship with God is because God is so much different than us. You know, he's so big. I mean, he's our savior. He's our Lord. And a lot of times in this life, like, we actually gravitate to people who are just like us, and those are the people that we become friends with. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's pretty much just the only people that we're friends with, actually. It's like they're going after the same thing. They like the same things. They're passionate about the same things. They go to the same church. They like the same music I like. You know what I mean? Like, that's how we sort of create friendships in this life. <clears throat> And yet here's God who's so much different than us, who's so much bigger than us, who's so much better than us, who's so much, you know, he, he's sinless. You're like, man, he's a creator of the universe. Like he's in charge of my life. Like he's not just, you know, my friend, but man, he's my savior. How, what do I even do with that? How do I even relate to him in that way? Because, he, you know, he's just so big. And I think that's actually the invitation of God on our lives in friend, for, for friendship in general. 
I think there is something about our human relationships where we become where we become to be in friendship with people who are completely different than us. And I think that's a strong kingdom expression that most of our culture is not even willing to explore. How many of you guys know that we're called to fellowship with real people, not just ideal people? And if our whole goal is to just have a church community with people who are exactly like us, we won't have a next generation who's wholesome and healthy. We'll just be doing inbred stuff. That's real. There has to be that sense of diversity, and that's actually what God's doing even in our friendship with Him. He's inviting us into something that's bigger than ourselves and inviting us to see friendship bigger than just seeing others as um, an extension of ourselves. You guys with me on this? Man, I would like to dive into that because I studied it so much this week, but it's very, very interesting. There's, There's like this sense of narcissism that we maintain as we're only friends with people who are like us because we see people as extensions of ourselves and that creates an us versus them mentality, which is never 100% of the time kingdom. That's what keeps hate happening. That's what keeps racism happening. That's what keeps, uh, you know, uh, anger and aggression and differences and emphasizing things that are not even important. So that's a kingdom expression. That's something to think about. I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing that out there as I'm closing, but... I think it's that difference, that expanse between us and God that it creates a huge obstacle for us to have friendship with him because he, we know that he's so much greater than we are. How can we truly connect with him? You know, so we kind of settle for that association with him. You know, this is fine, that's good. All right, I'll defend him, I'll be loyal, but I'm not sure if I can really have friendship with him. But while God is great and he most definitely is our Lord, we can never forget that as we read the scriptures, he came to us as one of us. He came to us as Jesus. God robed in the flesh and he didn't just command us to change. He sat down and he shared a meal with us. Even the more so, he knelt down, stooped over and washed our feet. He's not just a big creator of the universe that's somewhere out there. He's actually our friend who's right here. Despite our shortcomings, despite the shortcomings of his disciples, Jesus never shrank back from who was his friends. You never read in the scriptures that Jesus was filled with shame because of who he was connected to. And that's exactly how Jesus feels about you tonight. He, Jesus didn't come just to associate with us as Christians and bless our religious systems. He didn't come just to show us loyalty. Although, yes, he's never going to forsake us. Jesus came to show us what God desires most, which is real relationship. It's for his creation to, be, to have friendship with God. That's why Jesus came. So I'm hoping tonight that even just through sharing, you know, some stories and sharing just a small scripture, that there would be something for us as we're closing here, that there would be something for us that we would see. This is who I am. This is who God's fashioned me to be. This is what God's called me to. This is who I am. Before I do anything, this is who I am. And to some extent, even if it's small tonight, to start to organize our life 
a bit more around that. Not let other things be more important. Not fall prey, not become idols to things, but, but truly engaging with God on the basis of who we are. So with that being said, guys, I just want to invite you to stand as we close. We're going to pray together. You know, I've been thinking all day as I've been, you know, I wrote these, I wrote these notes down, um, actually finished them this afternoon, but been thinking all day, how do we invite our community into friendship with God? And so as we pray, here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to step into a, a new honesty between you and God. I would really like for you to take a commitment tonight to step into a new place of honesty between you and God. The affection piece that comes really as a result of vulnerability, as a a result of transparency, but it comes as a result of honesty where we don't hide our real feelings. We don't hide who we really are, what we're really thinking from the Lord, but we give him an all access pass to us. He sees it anyway, so let's just invite him in. That's a key to friendship, is just access. We know that we have access to Jesus. We know that. But the question is, does Jesus have access to you? Will you share certain secrets of your heart with him? Are you too afraid he's going to ask you to change those things so you just keep them back? No, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to talk to me about that, God, so I'm not going to talk to you about it. So I'm just going to keep that part back. That's where, that's where, that right there is the invitation to friendship, those things. That's the invitation to friendship. No, God wants you to share that. He sees it already. So God wants you to open up those places to him. Yeah, loyalty might be tested. But come on, guys, we've not been shaped for a simple association with Jesus. There's an invitation to bore. There's an invitation to discipleship. And it doesn't matter where we go. He's promised to be with us. Jesus is going to be with us. So God, we just pray right now and we say that we thank you for wanting to be friends with us, for not being filled with shame when you talk about us, but actually being proud of your friends and calling us friends and inviting us into an ever-growing deep friendship with you. We thank you for that, God. And as we continue our journey as disciples and as a part of this family, Lord, we just declare that we're growing in friendship with one another and we're growing in friendship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So guys, as we dismiss, I just wanna invite the ministry team to come up now. Uh, There's gonna be some people up here in the front that are gonna be wearing badges. They're a part of our ministry team. If you'd like to receive prayer, they're here and available to pray for you, to prophesy over you, to pray healing for you. If you have a special request that you just want somebody to agree with you on, come up, have them pray with you. These guys are all amazing, anointed, hear from Jesus. So as we're closing out, guys, we're just gonna pray our closing prayer over our hearts and release and dismiss you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. 
Amen, guys. God bless you guys big time. Look and, and check social media this week. I think we might be having a house church on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. In East Nashville, there's going to be a house church. Love to see you guys there. God bless you guys big time. See you on Wednesday. See you next Sunday. Love you guys. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.